You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I most certainly did. Sadly, my vacation is over and I'm back at work, but that's life. My spotlight on Unique Leader Records has been extended until July 12th. I love Unique Leader Records so much that I had to add an extra week to this spotlight. So until July 12th, you can go to the Unique Leader indie merch store and check out all of the sick stuff they have up there. They have a bunch of great merch. They have all of the pre-orders for some excellent new releases which are coming out in the next few weeks. And you can save 10% by using the promo code VOXANHOPS, that's V-O-X-A hops when you are checking out you should do it because uh, as i said there's a bunch of great pre-orders up there from some amazing bands some of whom i had the pleasure of playing throughout some of my previous episodes and uh, you should absolutely do it support extreme music support unique leader records on today's episode i'm with benji graham of lesser glow here it is vox and hops episode number 161 I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Benji Graham, one of the guitarists of Lesser Glow. Uh, Super stoked to be with you. Thank you so much for taking some time to hang out with me. We got into contact because I put uh, your new record, which just dropped via Pelagic Records, Nullity, as my album of the week and uh, that's how we started chit-chatting and i asked if you guys would like to be on the podcast and you guys said yes so i'm stoked to have you how are you guys doing how are you coping with all the madness that is happening in the world right now (laughs) yeah that's a lot um well yeah thanks for having me on too thanks for picking our album also um that's very cool it was kind of a a bit of a crapshoot like just feeling out putting it out during these times just there's so much kind of, you know, disconnect. It's like even the decision, we we didn't make it while we were all in the same room together. You know, it's been a lot of stuff like this. So uh, we're very uh, thankful for the reception uh, that's been getting so far. Definitely this included. Um, so, yeah, with your question, we've been coping. Um, we're, we're doing it. I, th- I think the same way that everyone is. Um, it's a weird time. It's you got to get creative to find ways to connect with people to find ways to get your your artistic outlet and your creativity going you know sometimes it's a little hard to motivate and obviously if you're not in the same room with all the same people that you create with that adds an extra little layer um but i think we're getting by i mean if there's one thing that i can say uh to be pretty frank about it's like if you are in the music industry you play in bands or you you know, you work gigs, which we all do. We all actively tour as as crew and we're not playing and work at venues and stuff. Um, I think everybody knows how to eat shit and, like, get through it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's just something that you have to do. At one point, you're just, like, you're scraping by or, or, you know, you're, like, putting your funds together on tour to get to the next place or you're trying to piece together gigs because you got home from a tour and now you need work. It's just like, I feel lucky that it's a group of people that are all pretty resilient. So it's like, we all kind of keep each other, you know, going a bit, I guess as a band can do and should do, but, um, 
Yeah, I feel lucky to be in a music world where it's. Where, I feel like you can probably attest to it too. It's like you know how to take some punches and then probably move on instead of throw your hands up. And we wouldn't have gotten this far if we just gave up, right? <laughs> that is very true. That is <laughs> extremely true. So, I mean, you know, it's it sucks. It's a weird time. There's a lot of hardships in the world, and uh, I think uh, you know, people are people are dealing with it the way they're supposed to. Um, which is with music and frustration and, and you know, civil <laughs> revolt and things like that. It's all the right things that should be happening during these times, I feel like. Yes, and uh, shout out to uh, For the Nomads charity. I don't know if you've heard about this. Organized by Frank Finelli, who is uh, raising a whole bunch of funds for out-of-work touring crews. Yep. So if you don't know about that and if anyone's listening doesn't know about that, uh, go and help raise some funds for all of the out-of-work touring crews. He's doing crazy stuff. He's raised, I believe, almost probably over $80,000 in the past That's amazing. four months at this point. So a uh, huge shout-out to For the Nomads. You can go to forthenomads.org, everyone, and uh, help out all the out-of-work touring crew because uh, they, they, there would be no tours without uh, you know all the, all the crew. Yeah, big time. You, but absolutely, you know, your your album could be the soundtrack <laughs> to the madness that's going on. There's just so much going on with it. Uh, I'm super interested to hear where you came from. So classic Vox and Hops question at this point is, uh, tell me the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents' house, what music was playing. When you were not in control of the music, what music did your parents or your guardians listen to? Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, it was a good variety, and it's like stuff that I feel like, uh, as the arc should have it, I feel like it's things that I've come to appreciate more as I've gotten older and stuff. But um, my dad definitely like was the classic, like, you know, he would always be fixing stuff around the house. Uh, I grew up in like an old farmhouse in Maine and stuff, and there was pretty much always something that needed needed doing. And uh, he would always have like, like classic rock blasting. You know, it was like he was a huge Rush fan. He was like a home drummer and stuff. I mean, still is. So yeah, just you know, you got the air drums to the Neil Peart solos, and uh, you know, and then he he listened to a good amount of like blues and things like that. Um, definitely had my exposure to like like rock pretty young, and was a big fan of that too. But, uh, I mean, everything from, like, bluegrass and rootsy stuff, too. Um, not much country, um, which is rare for the area that I grew up in, in Maine. Uh, but uh, I feel thankful for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the album might have sounded different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but then once I could get my hands on my own music... Um, I mean, it was another classic situation, but it literally was like my buddy who grew up down the road, his older brother, he had like the cool older brother. You know, he was in high school, we were in grade school. He drove like a Corvette and he, he played uh, he, he played uh, Metallica like all the time, super loud. And so it was like he would we would get the CDs from him uh, and then we would try and like play it and stuff. And it just like went from there. My buddy would come back from visiting his cousins for the weekend and be like, I learned another riff. And then we'd like play, you know, it's so just be sitting there learning all of the parts and you try and like keep it true to form. You're like, it's got to be all downstroke. Like it was like I definitely went down the Metallica wormhole very hard when I first started playing guitar and then uh, 
probably came around more, you know, I was like into solos and things like that and then came around way more to um, kind of the less is more sort of vibes. But, you know, while absorbing other stuff from folk to um, to like modern sort of rootsy country, uh, listen to a lot of cool like kind of solo artists and stuff that's sort of it eventually clicked. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, this is as heavy as heavy. These guys are talking about the same thing. So I was like, this is pretty, pretty brutal in its own way. Uh, It's absolutely true. And uh, less is more uh, as we get older as musicians is is really a maturity thing. Oh, for sure. And crafting a good song without just jamming as many notes into it as possible. Yeah. Which which is also cool too, because like appreciating, um, like the endurance and stuff of that stuff too is like it's its own art form of course i love my beneath the massacre right one, yeah. track, at a, one track at a time i love you yeah. boys but it's one track at a time right so like you, you, you're exhausted after it vox and hops is all about hanging out with uh, my metal friends and talking about their lives music and craft beer nice uh, what beer do you have on your side there and then i'll showcase mine here oh man all right this is gonna be fun Maybe first stuff there we go. We timed it up good there. Yep. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm actually drinking a hard seltzer um, that is from a local brewery here uh, called Night Shift. There's a Boston brewery. Um, they're great. They're from like right down the road. And uh, I was at the store. I actually saw that they were making a hard seltzer. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I'll try it. My roommate was drinking one yesterday. And uh, so I was like, this will be great. I'll be on a metal podcast and I'll be... Uh, what counting calories or watching my weight or something here? <laughs> it's less carbs. That's what that's, what that's it. This, <laughs> yeah. It's carb free. Yeah, it's pretty tasty. But Night Shift is cool. They make a lot of very good uh, beers too. Um, so I figured I'd support something from them and also grab something I've never had. I got some uh, Pilsners waiting in the fridge that are from another brewery called Oxbow, which is up in Maine, uh, which is really good too. So probably dive into that tomorrow or. Um, Maybe while we're still on this, I don't know. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I, on my side, I'm drinking Aral Bucks. It's their fifth anniversary beer. There's an expression in French, c'est jamais 203. So this is jamais 205 because <laughs> it's their fifth year anniversary. It is a triple New England IPA. Whoa. To match how fucking heavy Slam. you guys are. <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting for a good one for this one. And this is a 10 That's per- awesome. 10% ABV. Ah, boom. I'm honored. And uh, I believe it's it's supposed to be dangerous and delicious. And they got uh, my hop of choice in it for the the past few months there. They got the Citra, which I love. And then awesome. my hop of the moment is Sabro and Galaxy. And uh, I'm stoked to try it. Nice. So cheers. Cheers, man. Here, here. It smells uh, boozy on the nose, but tropical at the same time. Yeah, 10%. There you go. I'm going to have to drink like three or four of these things just to keep up. <laughs> I won't let you down. Though. It's got a boozy bite, but it's it's sweet. Nice. Um, des- dessert, like closer to like a dessert stout than an IPA, but it's it's still extremely, it's extremely enjoyable and very dangerous. I'm glad that I only <laughs> have one. I'm glad I only have one of them. Huge shout out to uh, Paul Andre Mayo. Uh, their spokesperson for hooking me up with some of their brews uh, to share during my interviews. Uh, I really appreciate it. That's awesome. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. Uh, let's dance into. Uh, so you went straight to guitar. Your dad was an air drummer. Uh, yeah, regular drummer and air drummer. <laughs> was he disappointed that you went to guitar? Was he expecting you to become a drummer? No, not at all. It wasn't on that level. I mean, like, you know, it's definitely uh, 
uh, hobby for him and stuff. I think he was just happy that, um, you know, we could share share music together and stuff and as, you know, growing up and whatnot. So even though we had, like, differences in tastes, you know, it's like we've definitely come around to each other's um, musical palettes and stuff. So I don't think he was too disappointed. If he did, he hit it well. But uh, <laughs> I played guitar like everyone else, and, uh, you know, that was my path. <laughs> Take me to that first time on stage. Do you remember your first show? <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, it was actually pretty late because, I mean, small town Central Maine, they're just not much of a music scene. Um, you know, there we didn't even have, like, a music program at my high school, but my uh, my pals and stuff, the the performing arts director, she used to let us hang out in, like, her room and just play music in there because we had another place to. So, like, during lunch, we would go there and I'll, like, play Metallica together and stuff and then, like, go from there back to the classes and whatnot. So she was pretty rad. Shout out to Midge Merrill. Uh, it was a throwback. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I didn't... Uh, I really didn't get to, like, play in a full-on band until I had moved to Boston, which was one of the things that drew me here, too. Um, and I played in... Uh, I formed a post-rock band with some friends in college, which just kind of naturally went that way because it was like, well... I don't want to sing. And then <laughs> and I just kind of kept it that way. Um, but that was uh, my first show was definitely around the city somewhere, either All Asia, O'Brien's or Great Scott. Um, and uh, I don't remember tons from it. I just remember being like, this is uh, regardless of how terrible it may or may not have been. It felt great. <laughs> Something special about... Yeah, and just Boston, the Boston scene is cool. I mean, from the second that I moved to Boston, it was like I was totally drawn into it. It's pretty welcoming. It's a classic. Like, everyone plays in everyone else's band, and you immediately just know most of the circle because it's like, oh, that's my roommate's, roommate's drummer's brother or something, and it just you just kind of sucked right into it pretty quickly. Which was cool. I mean, I came from, you know, Millinor, Maine, and just wanted to go somewhere that had more stuff going on. And, uh, yeah, I feel like the Boston music scene was like, come on in. It's always frustrating. I'm very lucky being so close to Montreal. I immediately hopped from a hometown band into a Montreal band. It was so easy. I can imagine it'd be very frustrating coming from a small town where you only have select people you can choose to play with and yeah. they might not necessarily have your vibe or they might not be up to your caliber that you might start off beneath them but you just are more passionate about it and then you surpass them i can imagine that would be frustrating yeah i, I remember uh it, it, it's definitely um yeah the pickings were pretty slim it was literally my friend sean started playing drums because it was like well we had a a friend who sang we had another friend who was like i play guitar but i think i can borrow a bass and then our friend sean was like well i guess i have to play the drums so then he learned the drums so that we could at least kind of like play as a band which was a very rough term for what you know we were doing at the time but yeah it definitely was that and then the second i moved to boston it was just like you know i felt like what i'd always been missing i mean that's rad that you got it to go to montreal too i mean i feel like the montreal scene is always been uh i mean it's just on the map like for the globe it's like one of the best like heavy scenes 
We're, we're, we're up there. Uh, I, I get asked the question all the time why I don't have the answer. <laughs> a sense of competition, a... Uh, yeah. Some, something in the cold weather. I don't know. Totally. A sense, a sense of community, a passion, a uh, camaraderie where it becomes, as you mentioned, everyone's in everyone else's bands, especially as we get older. Yeah, for the, the sure. True, the, true, the true people stick around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's move into to Lesser Glow. Uh, you got me hooked on When Ruined came out in 2018. Oh, nice. Thank you. Pelagic, and it's really, it's, it's through Pelagic because I really really like pelagic records and i follow yeah the record label so i was going through their catalog and anything that ever comes out i always check out and i really really enjoy that so uh, how excited were you guys was that like a a label that you guys wanted to be a part of or did it just sort of happen um yeah big time i mean it is kind of both because it happened pretty quick in the magic of just right place right time with stuff um but it was it was awesomely natural and still at the same time it's like massive shout out to Plagic and Robin and the whole team they're great and I feel extremely honored that they added us to their family because I feel like it's a great fit um, the short and sweet story of that was basically just uh, Andrew our other guitar player um, he was on tour in Europe with another band called Arms and Sleepers which is a band from Boston that's like instrumental kind of chill sort of post-rocky sort of electronic um and i was supposed to do a tour with them uh playing guitars and keys and stuff and i ended up accepting another tour in the states i couldn't do it but uh andrew had come on board actually as, as a drummer like he's a drummer by trade and, and a fucking incredible one too um and so he was going to europe to do that he played a festival where um some of the pelagic bands were there as well as the label and there was a common connection between Arms and Sleepers, uh, the main guy, Mirza. He, I think, knew someone that was there and just kind of introduced Andrew and was like, oh, hey, um, you should hear this guy's uh, other band. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool, and I think it would be a good fit. And I remember he was like, yeah, cool, what do you got? And, like, actually had the conversation. Like, wasn't just like, yeah, cool, kid, you know, like, send me your tapes and give them a fake number or something, you know? It was just like, it sounded like it was an actual conversation that went pretty quick and natural. Andrew sent the music, and then um, we were we were all chatting, just online and stuff. Uh, and then we heard back, like, I think it was 48 hours later. And wow. he was like, this is great, let's talk. And then we were looking at a record contract, like, in less than a week. Wow, that's awesome. So it was, like, really cool. And and we had, I think we had just finished Ruins. Um, uh, so we're lucky enough to have Alec and Andrew in the band that are two producers as well uh, that work at two different studios, like, fantastic engineers. So um, we already had, I think, most of the music recorded at that point. Uh, I can't quite remember the timeline but it's pretty much like we had stuff ready to go and then so they heard it and then it kind of was just supernatural we we're like great let's let's do it and kind of put everything together super fast so the momentum of sense forming the band to kind of how some of that process worked was i think the most natural of any bands that any of us have have had uh, as an experience 
yeah the the best the best connections to any labels or or most opportunities in life is a when it's just organically happens and when you are vetted by someone yeah yeah big time i mean it was great to have the common connection but it was like very no bullshit very quick uh response but at the same time someone like took the time to to be sincere and was like yeah let me check out what you got and so they checked it out that's badass that's badass uh how do you guys approach you guys are all in the industry i know with cryptopsy right now at this point with flow being an ultimas ollie being in cattle decapitation yeah chris having his studio the grid the grid studios up here in montreal oh cool uh, it's a uh, planning tours can be difficult <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so how, how did you guys approach that is that something that you guys were aware might happen and have you had that conversation of how things would go down the line big time um it's something that we try and stay on top of pretty pretty actively actually i mean obviously right now it's a bit of a different time as a lot of things are on pause but we um we've had that conversation a lot and we try and just stay very on top of it very um like open with each other on if someone even has like a potential offer if like what their year's looking like if it's like financial stuff like we we definitely do the workshopping of making sure we're all on the same page um because i think all of us have you know had a which comes with time as you get older but like the previous experience of just it's so hard to get everybody in the same boat i feel like you know that's it's really hard it's just a bunch of different people trying to have a thing it's almost like a five-person relationship kind of situation and i mean it's fucking amazing there's nothing else like it but it does take work sometimes um so we pretty actively have that conversation and there's been times where it's like we have an offer it doesn't work for everybody and we just we we try and be supportive while trying to like say our parts uh, you know and it's not like a perfect formula but it's like i think everybody can understand where they come from cuz like we all understand the freelance sort of life pretty well and like what gigs mean on both sides and what it means to play as opposed to work but um like we all want to do it we we like this this band we think it it's got good potential we love playing music together so um you know we we all know that like everyone's made some sort of sacrifice at some point whether it's a a gig or uh you know another connection or or who knows just uh, everybody's done at least something to be like cool like let's put the band first because we have this tour coming up or this show or something so it it's a good balance i mean it's hard i'm sure you know it too it, it it's hard but we um we we make it work but we make it work because we actually fucking talk about it <laughs> you know which is which is important that's very good advice right there yeah <laughs> letting things fester as, as with any relationship is the absolute worst it's especially when you're in a five person relationship because then little teams form because certain people agree with other <laughs> yeah. people's opinions yeah. and then those always come out late at night when you shouldn't be having that conversation <laughs> right yeah you're like <laughs> in the van it's a long drive you've had a couple rough ones it's just uh yeah there's already enough things that can come up it's like there's no reason if there's an issue squash it talk about it get through it <laughs> right away and especially now as, as as i'm my band is involved in so many other projects it's a we're a four piece so it's a four-way open relationship right it's right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i say ours is open too then 
It adds <laughs> very extra fluid. little problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's other, other, other... <laughs> I, I, I said on a podcast before, when I, when I watch Ollie on stage with cattle, I, it's almost like watching my wife with another man. <laughs> Who I were you it. drumming with last weekend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, Nullity. Let's uh, dive into this new record. I love it. It's so dark. I love albums that take you on a trip, and this one absolutely does. Uh, what did you guys do differently this time around? How did you want to evolve from Ruined? Yep, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, it was something that we... It, it's kind of the same, like I was saying with some other stuff. It's like, It was like half natural. I mean, everything's been natural with this band, I'd say. But like overall, it was something we did talk about and then something that also just, I feel like, was the evolution itself of the band. But um, with this record, we had a couple goals for sure. Like one was we wanted to spend more time on it. Um, not just, I mean, creating it on the front end because that itself was like, um, just it just was the amount of time that needed to happen basically, but we still put a good amount of pressure on. But the recording process itself, we wanted to spend at least a couple more days. We wanted to take a little more time getting sounds, a little more time creating within the studio. Uh, you know, we just left a little bit of space of some things that were mostly finished, but we kind of wanted to see what would happen once we got to the studio with it, too. Um, I mean, we definitely had a plan for everything, and it, it wasn't like we're just sitting on, uh, you know, endless amounts of time and cash, so you still have to be efficient. You have to be reasonable with, um, you know, we're not just, like, hanging out and... And, uh, Take, taking mushrooms and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and that sounds great. Floor. But uh, <laughs> if if you're on the clock too, you know, it's like, well, we don't have the uh, the luxury of like uh, of Axl Rose or something like that. So, you know, it's not the Chinese democracy, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. We can't afford to write a Chinese democracy. But um, no, with this record, we wanted to expand on Ruined as a whole. So that meant like taking the thing that kind of bonded us all together with Ruined, which was kind of like this less is more vibe, this ferocity, but a little bit of like not holding back, but reserving like when you're gonna, you know, hit the punches or when you're gonna like, basically just, we wanted to spend more time with the dynamics um, as a writing process and then also as a recording process. So part of that just happened pretty naturally since... We were a band longer at this point. Everyone was kind of like finding their their roles and their contribution uh, even even better by the time we we're working on this. But we also we basically were writing this record like before Ruined even came out. Um, Andrew and I had already begun working on like The Great Imitator, um, so it tagged in really well for us. You know, there's always like a gap of time for the public and stuff. But for us, the writing process almost never stopped. We just kind of kept going and kept going. Um, so it kind of naturally pushed. But yeah, we, we just wanted to spend a little more time on everything and kind of push ourselves a little more on stretching songs out a bit, but but not being boring or too repetitive. Um we didn't say like it has to be this much, you know, like this length of time or these amount of repeats or but just consciously these were all things that we kind of wanted to sort of 
for our next record make it happen that's cool and it comes from playing you know oh big time when you get out there and you've you've toured ruin or you've played ruin live tracks you, you you feel what works and what you want to expand upon yeah i think that's a great point it definitely came from we played as a band and kept playing and kept playing and then this record was coming out of that are you a band that jams when you write or are you a band that sits in front of a computer to write um it's so i'd say it's a little bit of both um a lot of our our ideas um traditionally speaking usually will start um with something that andrew comes up with because the way that he writes is like being a drummer he'll have not only a riff but like he'll he has like song structure and like drum parts in mind when he writes which is great so like he will sit down and like just pump out like a structure with like some riffs or some drum parts and and things like that and then like send it out and then that kind of gets you know the juices flowing sort of thing it's great for me because like i'm not great at at um like i hear parts um but i can't like sit down and like program out a drum part and be like these are the ideas that i'm thinking but he's you know tech savvy and and naturally a drummer so like the way that he feels out song forms is really helpful for me to write but i'd still say like most of the magic at that point it's not like we then send everything out back and forth and then there's the song it's like that thing that we started to hear we meet up in person and we'll just sometimes we'll just start without even saying anything and either play something brand new usually if i have a riff I'll just start playing it at the beginning of practice. And if I see people's eyebrows raise, then I'll keep going. If nobody's really looking, then we'll kind of just fall into working on something else. So like for me, I usually will bring something just right in person. And then, um, you know, kind of kind of go from there. So I'd say it's a good balance of both. But it is extremely helpful to have, you know, some people like Andrew and Alec that are both tech savvy enough where they can track stuff at home and uh send it out and it feels like even when we're not in the same room together like we're creating we're progressing we're not sitting around which is very important during these times (laughs) absolutely i've actually started to go down the wormhole of of um programming some drum stuff just so i can get some forms down for some ideas that i've been trying to track but I'm like, I need it to be heavier. We're a very percussive <laughs> band. We actually have That's three true. drummers in the band, so... <laughs> <laughs> the mindset's there. <laughs> yeah, the mindset is there. And I'm not one of them, so... But I feel stuff like a drummer. What would be a dream tour, the perfect lineup, that you believe would showcase Lesser Glow to the world appropriately? Holy smokes. Um, well... I'll I'll just get my complete bias out of the way and say that I would probably be complete if we were just direct support for Meshuggah. Um, because, I mean, like, well, maybe not direct support, maybe opener, because I feel like direct support, it would just, that sounds like one of the toughest gigs in the world. <laughs> if you're like, all right, well, now here's the actually heavy band. <laughs> <laughs> you you'd, have to, you'd have to step up your light game, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe that too. <laughs> we got to get a cousin to program all our stuff. Um, no, I'd say, I mean, that's up there, but we borrow from a lot of stuff. I mean, like, I would love to do some tours with, uh, you know, people like uh, like, like Chelsea Wolf or, or something that's like more, 
atmospheric, drawn out, moody. Um, Love I mean, Chelsea. Love yeah. Her. Not totally shameless plug, but Alec, our singer, is her front of house engineer, too. So it's like there's that connection there. So that's that's why so cool. That's why I'm throwing it out there. I hope she's. I hope she listens and is like, yeah, it's a great idea. Me too, Chelsea. I want to interview you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, we have a pretty eclectic mix of tastes and... Um, I would love to be a part of an eclectic tour, like not something super extreme, but really something. I mean, it could be something that was like, you know, there's a cryptopsy in there, there's a Chelsea Wolf in there, there's a Lesser Glow, and then maybe like a Converge or something like something more hardcore. Like, I think uh, we borrow from enough things that it would be cool to be a part of a tour that kind of is little snippets of all those things. I mean, I also have favorite bands and things too like i'd love to do a tour with like yaucha i'd love to do a tour with black breath if those guys ever came back and yeah. toured um i'd love to do a tour with the bloodbath guys um the, yeah there's there's a lot of good music out there <laughs> it's tough to kind of <laughs> pigeonhole it but i think something that would be sort of uh eclectic but like brings in people that our different fans of different genres and kind of leave with something new would be like an ideal tour. That would be rad. I'd also like to see you guys with like neurosis. Oh dude, I would be, Oh my God, I'd be honored that, that I, th- I think that would work a lot. Uh, let's dance back into craft beer. Sure. Uh, if you guys could make a craft beer, team up with a brewery to make a lesser glow brew, what would it be called? And what style would it be? This is a fantastic question because we might be able to do this. We actually were having talks of doing this, and it was probably going to happen um, right before the uh, coronavirus uh, struck the world. Um, I don't think it's anything that's like totally hidden, and I hope it still happens, so I think I can talk about it too. But there's a local brewery uh, called Bone Up Brewing. Um, that's awesome. If you haven't had them, definitely check them out. Uh, they make very cool beer. Um, some of the songs on this record had, we had bone up brewing in our system when we recorded them. So there's that in there. (laughs) Um, actually the guy who, who took the photos of our record, the cover of Nullity, if you look at that and then the artwork inside and on the back. Um, that's a good friend of ours, Matt Darcy, who's an incredible photographer. And uh, he also works for this company, Bone Up Brewing. He just started pouring beers there, but then they found out that he does photo work and things like that. So he's kind of like one of their like social media guy, I think. There you go. He got a promotion right there. Yeah, dude, big time. Uh, <laughs> he's the man. Um, he kind of put the wheels in motion for that. And right before this kind of all halted for a bit, that was a conversation that we were having. So we were starting to talk about what kind of beer would you like to do? Maybe what, what would it be called? Um, I think if it came out during the winter, I would want to do something that would be like a stout or a porter, something sludgy and heavy and, and, you know, call it like slow and low or something like that. (laughs) So (laughs) something that just kind of fit the genre, but also like the taste of the thing. If it was, during the warmer weather, I mean, I'm a bit biased. I do love, I love IPAs and especially like New England IPAs and stuff. But I think it'd be cool to do something like a, like a pills. Um, Pilsners are back hard. Everyone's oh, I love a pills. Everyone's all over their loggers now, so don't worry. Uh, yeah, I love the traditional. Just something. I feel like it's a 
a beer that got overlooked for a while, but if you can actually make a good pills, then I feel like you probably make a lot of good beers. Um, but man, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I would call it otherwise. Like, uh, try to think of something from the album. Oh, you could call it like the great filtered beer. <laughs> the great Pilsen. Oh yeah, the great Pilsen. Yeah, that's better already. We'll go with that. You'll get you'll get ten percent once we put that up. <laughs> Just give me a case. Done. But, uh, <laughs> uh, one last question: uh, What is your hangover cure? My hangover cure. Um, I like making greasy breakfasts. Uh, usually, home fries, bacon, eggs. English muffin, put it all into like a big sandwich, take a bite out of it, it's like spilling all over your face. You probably have no idea how terrible and gross you even look when you're eating it. Um, and then by the end of it, you're probably good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Benji is amazing. Thank you so much for taking some time sitting down with me. Drink it as a hard <laughs> seltzer. <laughs> Have me back next time, and I'll, I'll drink like a 12% beer. I promise. Uh, yes, uh, you come through Montreal. I come through Boston. Let's hook up. Let's drink some beer together. Anytime. Everyone, man. go listen to Nullity out on Pelagic Records uh, from Lesser Glow. It is a fucking rager of an album, and I hope that everyone listens to it, and I hope that big things come your way because i love what you guys are doing so cheers massive thanks cheers thanks so much man hopefully we'll get the to tour together sometime who knows hey thank you all so so much for listening right to the end i had a great time with benji i love just connecting with someone that i haven't met before and immediately hitting it off this was one of those cases i can't wait to uh, meet up face to face with benji and uh, share some brews uh, share some more chats as i mentioned i'm a huge fan of their new record nullity which came out via pelagic records you should check it out if you haven't it's an absolute banger of a record this coming Thursday is another Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. Last week's was amazing. I had so much fun having Flo Mounier, my brother, and the drummer of Cryptopsy and Ultimas as my co-host. We had a great time, and I thank everyone that came. This coming Thursday, super, super stoked to have my bassist of Cryptopsy, Mr. Olivier Pinard. He also plays for Cattle Decapitation and Vengeful. It's going to be a good night. Ollie's always fun, and maybe even Elo will show up, and that would be really fun. So this coming Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The link is available in the description of this podcast, and I will make some social media posts about it. It is a new link this week because I've changed it since last week. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. I have one more episode coming at you. It will be dropping on Friday, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsets. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is a rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.